Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Pure Hoops podcast, we are back. It is late July. I guess we could call this a little bit of a lull. BJ Armstrong in Los Angeles, Eric Newman in New York. BJ, the Clippers introduced Paul George and Kawhi Leonard this week. How excited, first and foremost, is everyone in L.A. for what we are calling the battle for Los Angeles for the upcoming season? Well, the city of Los Angeles is fired up. The energy is there. You can see the excitement in the Clippers and the introduction of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You know, Steve Ballmer is already in midseason form. And there's a lot of anticipation that, you know, the Clippers have a legitimate chance now to win a championship. So I think the, the rivalry has been set on paper. It looks good. Uh, the star players are in place, the uh, the teams are set, and now it's uh, time to play a little basketball. Before we get to the Lakers and their 16 NBA championships, and of course LeBron James trying to write the final chapter of his career before he hands the quote-unquote torch off to Anthony Davis, this Clipper roster, obviously it starts with Kawhi and Paul George, but I, I think people are losing sight of the depth of this team and you go down the list obviously uh leonard and george at the wings pat beverly got paid deservingly so uh you know leading them in the backcourt in terms of their defensive mentality lou williams sixth man of the year off the bench but then you go uh and obviously montrez harrell uh, part of that 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 bench crew as well they have mo harkless now from that portland deal they have Zubak coming back, who's only 22 years old, who will have training camp under his belt as a clipper. Rodney Magruder, someone who's been very underrated. Jamichael Green, an effective role player. Jerome Robinson, who barely saw the, f- the floor last year. And, of course, Landry Shamit, who's a, a threat to knock out a three as soon as he enters the building. W- what do you think of their depth? And is their depth being overlooked? Well, you know, Eric, it's always a toss-up when you start looking at a championship-caliber team because someone's going to have to anchor that team, not only offensively but defensively. And I'm looking at one of of two guys. Either Kawhi Leonard is going to anchor that team or Paul George. Most likely or probably be Paul George who will have to anchor that team, the second unit, and be able to play not only minutes as a starter – and he'll have to play one way, but he'll have to play another way as a, as an more of an offensive threat, um, as a guy who will anchor the second unit. You know, and the reason I say that is, you know, uh, Lou Williams is more of a scorer, but he's not an anchor of a of a player. Meaning he's going to demand a double team. Other than you know, you have to really show a lot of. Uh, attention to him, give a lot of attention to him on screen roll situations, but he's not really an isolation player where he's going to draw a double team and create shots for other people. So I look for Paul George. I look for them, especially early in the season, to try to figure out the combinations they're going to need to play and yep. figure out which one is going to anchor that team um, and be kind of a, a, a mainstay, you will, with the second unit, which will ultimately give them the best opportunity to play a sustainable game over a 48 minute period so it should be a fun time for doc rivers and his staff as they'll try to figure out those combinations uh, obviously the the lou williams montrez harrell screen roll combination last year destroyed teams especially after they got uh Shaman out there to spread the floor as, as another shooter so with that being said about george who 
became the top scorer in Oklahoma City, and, and Westbrook realized that he needed to take um, a step back and be more of a facilitator. His shots per game went down. Georgia's scoring went up. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard is a team-first guy and whatever it takes to win. So I, I see the Paul George um, as the 1A scoring option, not a problem. Do, do you see this as a situation where Kawhi or George, one or the other, obviously they're going to play a lot of minutes together, but one or the other will always be on the floor for this team unless a game is out of hand, correct? Well, that depends. You know, remember here, Eric, we're, we're talking about championship caliber basketball. You know, we're not talking about guys averaging 26, 27 points a night on a team that gets knocked out of the first round. Sure. We're talking, we're talking about a team now that's – we're going to ask this team to give us the two greatest – assets they have that's the effort and energies every single night and that starts on the defensive end so make no doubt about it doc rivers emphasis on the defensive end will be first second and third option and then we'll worry about the offense and who's going to score and and all those other things so I, i think paul george has the ability to be an elite defensive player uh Kawhi leonard certainly has shown the ability to win in this league, not only as the first option, which he showed last year, but, you know, arguably when he was in San Antonio, he might have been the third or fourth option and still was able to figure that out, meaning he knows how to play without the ball, which is a key component to being a great player. You just don't need the plays called to you every single time to, to be a threat on the floor. So his impact, and I'm talking about Kawhi Leonard's impact on the game, is far beyond the offensive end. That's what makes him a special player, and in my humble opinion, that's what makes him the best player presently in the moment. He is the best player because he doesn't need any plays call for him to have an effect on the game. He doesn't need to score to have an effect on the game. And when you have a player with that ability, you can do something special. And I think the Clippers recognize that. I think Kawhi Leonard understands that about himself. And uh, hopefully the rest of the team will figure out how to play at that level because there are many players that have the ability to do that. As you love to talk about defense creates offense, this team obviously going to be built around that defensive identity. Uh, How exciting is it to think about the Clippers locking teams up and then just getting out in transition over and over and over again to create easy offense for themselves? Well, that's probably the most exciting thing about them is that they have – the ability to be a great defensive team, especially on the ball. If there's one thing that's missing from them is they don't have really what I would consider a rim protector, which you need in today's game uh, because of the way the game is officiated. You know, you don't have the physicality of the game like you did some years ago. And uh, one of the ways to erase mistakes is to have a defensive player who can protect the rim. Outside of that, they have strength, they have size, they have the ability to switch, they have the toughness. And they have guys who give, you know, not only a first effort, second, third effort. Patrick Beverly and these guys will fight to the end. So I'm sure Doc Rivers is really excited about probably that aspect of the game. And I think this team fits his personality, you know, as a, you know, as a player that I played against, it, you know, in, my, in, our, in our former years, um, you know, playing in when we were younger, Doc Rivers was a defensive player. Uh, he was a tough player. And uh, this kind of fits his personality, who he was as a player. And I'm sure he he recognized that. And uh, he should have a lot of fun with it. And people forget Doc Rivers was a clipper. Doc Rivers went from, I believe, the Hawks to the – I know there was a stop in San Antonio, but he was a clipper who took them to the – play, helped take them to the playoffs in the early 90s. And then he was swapped to the Knicks for, for Mark Jackson. You remember yes. that trade? Yeah, yeah, I remember and, that and, trade. Right. And obviously, you you faced off uh, against both of those guys in in huge Bulls Knicks playoff matchups. Um, have you have you seen or spoken to Doc? And and do you guys ever go down that uh, that memory lane together at all from your, your time playing against each other? Well, no, I think all of us. Uh, I think Doc and myself, we recognized that oh, that was then, and this is now. We're both just 
struggling to uh, get up the stairs and feel good. <laughs> you oh, know, man, you know, I set you up for a good Doc uh, Rivers story, and you completely uh, whiff on it. I Come know, on, man. You know, Doc is great. You know, I, I see Doc, you know, uh, throughout the course of the year, and he's really made a great transition as a as a head coach in this league, and and um, you know what he's learned from all of the coaches he played for, whether it was Pat Riley or. Uh, you know, uh, Mike, Greg Fratello. Popper, Mike Fratello and so forth. And so the list goes on and on for him, but he's really made a great transition. He's become one of the elite uh, coaches in this league and what he's been able to do. And, uh, you know, now he has a very t- talented group. And um, like I said, I, I expect that I expect great things from the Clippers this year. People were trashing him for a while when he couldn't get the Lob City team over the top. And I just... I, I, I couldn't believe some of the things being said about him. And last year's job was just incredible. And to see to, the, the potential of what he's going to do with this group is, is very exciting. So let's go across the hallway to the other locker room. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Danny Green comes in, Avery Bradley comes in, DeMarcus Cousins comes in, Kuzma's there. They added Jared Dudley to the mix. Rondo's back. They get Quinn Cook, which I think is a an underrated pickup. Of course, JaVale McGee and Kentavious Caldwell Pope. So the Lakers add size. They add uh, a couple of very reliable, experienced three and D players. And then there's the addition of DeMarcus Cousins back together with Anthony Davis, and he'll be now a full year removed from um, the, the the big step back from you know, playing after the Achilles uh, recovery and injury. Uh, wh- what do you make of this roster? And how are you feeling about the Lakers? Well, um, you know, whenever you put together a new group, you know, there's only really a couple things that you can do as a group uh, when, you, when you play. You defend as a group and you share the basketball as a group. That's what you do. And meaning you pass to one another. Uh, I'm interested to see how the combinations are going to fizzle out here with this team. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is because defensively, I'm not sure, you know, what they are at this moment. Um, I see the talent. Yes, I see the Anthony Davis. I see the LeBron James. I, I see that those guys are clearly two of the elite players in this league. But then I asked myself, okay, so they are elite players, but defensively, what does that mean to this group? What's the identity of this team? Um, I know there's been a lot of talk about LeBron James playing the point guard position. Um, what what does that mean for Anthony Davis at this stage of his career? What What is he? Is he a four? Is he a five? Uh, where is he going to best? Well, let, let's let, let, let's put our let's put our let's put our coaching GM hats on for a minute. So let's say LeBron James is playing that I'll call it the hybrid point guard role to start the season. Knowing this roster, knowing what LeBron can do each and every night, what's your ideal four to put around him if he's your facilitator? Well, the way the game is played today, I, I would be very careful to, to utilize him at this stage of his career as a point guard. That's just my, my humble opinion. The game is played now at a different pace. I was going to say, you're worried, you're worried about pace and usage right now. And, you know, again, as we started off earlier in the conversation, the game, it's a requirement. What's required of every player that puts on a uniform? He must provide the effort and the energy necessary. You know, no matter what, father time passes no one. So that means as you get older, you have to utilize your energy a little different than you were when you were younger. I would be very careful to utilize a player with that many miles and and has... I mean, he's in phenomenal shape, but the usage of being a point guard at that size, at this age right now, I'm not sure where that fits into the scale. All right. That's yep. my first thing. I'm not, 
I'm not, you know, it sounds good, but you know what? <laughs> speed and quickness is the speed and quickness, the point guard position, speed and quickness, that's the only place where you can't cheat the game. Because sure. you, the, 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 these guys at that position, they're normally the fastest guy on the floor. And I would be very careful to have 30, 35 minutes of usage every night at that position at this stage of his career. That's just my humble opinion. First. Yep. Second, you know, Anthony Davis, you know, is he a four? Is he a five? You know, if I put him at the five, that means he's going to have to play against the, the Nurkic's of the world, the Jokic's of the world, the, the white size, the Joel Embiid's. And he's not like a big man to be able to just pound that body night in and night out. Okay. Yep. First. Okay. So again, so that, okay. So now we put him at the four. Well, now that's, you know, I, I think it makes it difficult because you're, you're talking about, you know, whether it's JaVale McGee or Boogie, you know, these guys, how we're going to play with this group, right? How we're going to play with the group. So if we bring in JaVale McGee, clearly that opens the court up. You have a rim protector. You play the game at that pace. If you bring in Boogie, now Boogie has a different pace. Okay? You don't have the shot blocker. Maybe you have the spreading of the offense and all those other things. But as you know, Eric, we saw in the finals this year, the game is played at a different pace. Okay, so you have all of these things that are going to have to figure out and how are you going to, you know, who's going to defend those other point guards? Who's going to defend the wing players? So I think they have a lot more figuring out in training camp than the Clippers and some of the other teams at this point. Not to say that they won't figure it out, but I think yeah. there are a lot of questions that they have to answer because, you know, they have a lot of players, but Talent alone is not going to win. You got to have the right combinations. You got to have the right spacing on the floor. And and if they are not a good defensive team, if they are not a good defensive team, I don't think this is this team is going to be a team that's going to be just a half court execution team because of the talent. I don't think you can just steadily throw the ball into Anthony Davis or steadily just throw it into LeBron James. I think this team is going to have to figure out how to maximize its athletic ability, get out and run, get out and create havoc if they're going to be the team that we all think they can be looking at their roster. But again, we'll have to wait and see. The puzzle is very intriguing. I, I like the fact that they've got some some depth and versatility in multiple positions. I think with DeMarcus and JaVale McGee uh, at that five spot in a uh, – platooning type of role depending on who the opponent is um can be very effective with with davis at the four your point about lebron of course spot on if he's running the point then there's no way he's defending point guards so they're gonna have to have a combination of uh danny green avery bradley contavious caldwell pope out there on the floor with lebron uh, they're playing off the ball offensively, but one of them is picking up that assignment defensively. And then as far as LeBron's usage at point guard, there's no way he's playing 30-plus minutes a night playing on the ball like that. Uh, I see this as maybe half of his minutes on the floor, and then it's a Quinn cook Rajon Rondo combination where they take LeBron off the ball, they play him in the post, and, again, a lot of lineup uh, – combos and options here and don't forget about kyle kuzma as well who really has the ability to open up the floor for the lakers but as you said what is this defensive identity going to be of this laker team and that's what's going to be uh you know re really exciting to to see what develops i think there's a part of them that's going to really uh want to harken back to showtime and be able to rebound the basketball and get out and run and and make that building very exciting again so well yeah you know. well one of the things i want to say eric is if you watch anthony davis play over the years you know his usage as a five man to me is what makes him a very very 
effective player uh, as a five because mm-hmm. there aren't any fives who can play a really can can match his speed and quickness. Yeah, you know he's you know we know he's long. I mean he's practically seven feet, but then he has the speed and quickness against a five, which causes havoc for the other team. You know what what are you going to do? Yep. You can't guard him with a big man. You can't put a small guy on him, and then that's really his advantage. Now, if you continuously allow him to play night in and night out against guys who are 50 or more pounds heavier than him, then that causes a problem. Playing against Joel Embiid, playing against uh, Jokic, playing against Steven Adams, those guys will wear him down because of his, his body size. But being able to not play him at the five, to me, that's his biggest strength. You know, small ball was really made for Anthony Davis, okay? Because yep. he's a big who can play small. I mean, yep. practically, he was a – I mean, I remember watching this kid. Uh, he was a guard. He was, coming through. he was a guard. So small – so if we're not going to utilize him at his optimum strength, which is – that's his strength. Like, for better or for worse, I can't just plug him in as a four and say just be a four. No, he's going to have to play – small ball is what Anthony Davis does, Okay. Um, so again, I'm interested to see how this all comes together because defensively, you know, the strength of an Anthony Davis right now is speed and quickness. So if the strength of your best player is his athleticism, then I think you're going to have to play to the strength of your best player. So, you know, the strength of, of LeBron James is his athleticism. So, which means they're going to have to really get out and play and, and have a game that's played at a pace that's going to allow them to have an advantage over the other teams. I don't see this as a, you know, uh, you know, a Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, where they're just going to come down and execute you and play in the, you know, half court and so forth and so on. This team is going to have to get up and down. This team is going to have to have rim protection and shot blockers. This team is going to have to utilize pressure out on the floor because they will have the ability to to recover if you're talking about what makes anthony davis a special player what makes lebron james a special player it's not because these guys you know are just half court you know technically speaking basketball players which they are but what makes them that they they got to get out in space they they got to get out out. they you you got to create space so i think that will be the trick for them is to figure out how they're going to do that and be able to you if i just put lebron james and say you're going to be a point guard this year that's not taking advantage of what makes lebron lebron james can play a little one a little two a little three a little four and i first learned that playing with scotty pippen i can't just you can't just ask players who have that type of talent that type of versatility and just stick them in play one spot you got to put him like Scotty was great. He he plays a little four. He played a little three, little one, little, and that was him. But if I just asked him to do one thing, Scotty wasn't really going to be Scotty because he really wasn't, you know. And and there are players like that. They're not just like all scores. They're just not all defensive players. They do a little bit of everything. So I think the versatility is the strength of this team. And without exploring that, Eric, I think that would be a mistake. If we're playing, you know, couch coach here right now and, and GM, because that's what they have. I mean, you got to let these guys do a lot of different things because they can fill up the stat sheet as long as there's opportunities to do it. Well stated. Couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. LeBron playing a, a little bit of everywhere will work with. I mean, we're playing couch coach GM, but. They have the ability here to put out a, a lot of different lineup conversations. Last thing on LA, both teams, not putting you on the spot yet for a prediction, anything like that. Which team is going to lean on the quote unquote load management more this season? The Clippers or the Lakers? I don't think either team can can afford to do that. I really don't. I think the I the, hope that's the, the comp- case. I hope well, that's the case. It, it's not. It's not a hope. It doesn't matter it, whether they decide to do it or not. Whoever load manages this year in the West is going to be in trouble. Okay, because every game is going to be important. You have. Let's not forget. 
you know, we're talking about the Clippers and the Lakers as if this is a foregone conclusion that oh no, one oh no. no. I look at I look at the Denver Nuggets. They're right there. Yep. The Utah Jazz are right there. Okay. The Portland Trailblazers are feeling really good about themselves. They're very confident. As they should. Okay. Then you then okay we got the Lakers and the, and the Clippers and all. This West is going to be tough. And okay? the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rock. We're going to talk about the Houston Rockets. Sacramento is not going to be a pushover. We got the the Pelicans will have young legs and they'll be they'll be a tough out. Okay, at, at the very least, they will they will play with pace and space this year. Okay, <laughs> that yep. that team down there in New Orleans. So this is not going to be easy by no stretch. And if you want to load manage and, and 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 take your chances, good luck because there are some really good teams. Um, and I anticipate, you know, health will always be a concern, but everyone's going to need to be healthy as they possibly can because every game, especially in the West, is going to be a dogfight. And uh, I'm sure there will be a team that's going to surprise us that we're not talking about right now. But this low management, I think, in the Western Conference has the potential to be a disaster for a team because you, you can't take off 20 games and expect to, to be okay out here in the West. And, of course, we can't forget about the Warriors, who, of course, will be in the mix as well. So you mentioned the Pelicans and some some other news this week. Zion Williamson joins Brand Jordan, richest shoe deal ever, ever, for a rookie. Obviously, you know the landscape. You've been in the middle of it before, working with Derrick Rose. Uh, what's your perspective on Zion and Brand Jordan? Well, you know, I'm I'm always biased to my good friend Michael, uh, and I was I'm always rooting for him and being able to watch what he was able to do with the Brand Jordan, the brand itself. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, everyone says it's the richest deal ever, but in dealing with Nike, they never report what the deal is. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Very true. Very true. So, so I always laugh at myself. Uh, is the richest deal ever, but no one knows the deal. Um, so that I always find that yeah. funny. But the richest, the richest deal until next week. Yeah, exactly. Um, but here's the thing. I, I I think when these young men come into this space, uh, selling shoes and and doing that, you have to understand the business and. Look, I, I, I look at this from the business perspective of knowing how this really works. Okay, we're talking, it takes 18 months or so to build out a shoe and get it from the concept to get it to the to the stores and get it to the shelves. So the, the one thing so, that- So just I, to make it clear, 18 months from conception to the iterations, to the build, to the player approval, to the marketing, to the rollout, to the retail. Yes. And and the one thing and you mentioned Derek Rose is what we try to do is the one thing that, that that works. And the reason this has only worked, in my humble opinion, in my humble opinion, this has worked once. And when I say once to the maximum level, you know, Derek Rose had a phenomenal window of showing you the possibility of it. Um, but, you know, before, um, you know, the injury occurred. Is, but you have to perform. There's a part of this that we can't we can't forget mm -hmm. is that the player has to perform. What made Jordan so special was he performed first and then all of the other things happened. Right. Jordan right. didn't sign the richest shoe deal when he signed his deal with Nike. It was like for four hundred thousand or five hundred thousand or something. Okay? And at the and at the time, at the time it was just it was an experiment. It was an experiment. So. First, you have to perform. So my thing is, I will, as you know, as people are listening, and, and and hopefully the next Jordan will listen. Is okay. That sounds great. You signed a you signed a deal, but here's the deal: this company is banking on you to perform for the next eighteen months, basically the next two years, so that there will be some type of interest in a shoe for you yep. to sell. And that is not guaranteed, all right? So you have to not have just 
a good month of the season or a good two months or a half a season, you have to perform, which will warrant you them building you a shoe, not a signature shoe where you just put your logo on it. We're talking about building you a shoe. So yeah. I think with this comes on a massive responsibility. Clearly, Jordan was able to understand the business. And that is the one thing that I stressed when, when you know, Derrick Rose was in this position. Let's first focus on performing so that it will, it will match. It will warrant them making this commitment to you. This is a whole different game. I'm not talking about them just taking their logo and putting it on an existing shoe. I'm talking about actually building you a shoe. Serious investment across yes. the board. Yes, this is a this is a serious business business thing that you have to change the way you think and approach the game. Now you have a responsibility to come out here and perform that will warrant you to have your own shoe now i hope that he understands what we're discussing here you would think that he would understand it and i and i don't know but again i've only seen this work once it's only worked once where a player has actually had this type of effect on the business where brand jordan is the second i think they're the second highest selling shoe only behind nike in the basketball division we're talking about brand jordan yeah well nike's always had you know upwards of 97 percent of the the market share in basketball okay. we've seen we've seen adidas try to chip away and find yes. their niche we've seen under armor try to find their niche obviously brand jordan has been an offshoot of nike but you know even you know a lot more than i do but i know there's always been the sensitivities between keeping them separate and them creating their own brand and their own identity and their on-court shoe for a while, uh, it, it struggled in terms of getting out there to cons consumers wanted to buy it for performance. Obviously, we know what the, the fashion level is of Jordans and, and that has its own um, place in the market that's been dominating for years. But the performance side, now you've got Zion, Kemba, Tatum, of course, Westbrook there. Um, this is this is interesting for sure, and it's it's interesting on both sides, from the player side as you were talking about, but also on the brand side. Yeah, and, and you know this is look, this isn't easy, and you know I'm always rooting for the the next player to come along and and move the business forward. It's not easy, so you know I wish Zion well, um, but the truth of the matter is the players have to perform and there's a lot of factors that have to, you know, come together, obviously, um, you know, one being you had to be healthy, you know, two, you know, just the right time, you know, you want to have, you know, the, the, hopefully your game will translate Will people will find it, you know, fun and interesting or, 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 or you have some interesting aspect about your game, you know? So, um, you know, it, it, but it, it's a very, it's very hard to do. And I think that's what makes, to me, that's what made Jordan so special is he had the way he played, the way his style, it was like, it was captivating. And not only that, I think not only be, be, being a amazing basketball player, he was an amazing businessman. He understood the business of sports better than anyone else, um, you know, that's come along. And uh, so his business savvy, and seeing the potential, he was way ahead of the curve on that end. And uh, he took advantage of it and he created a space that we're still trying to figure out. I think the shoe companies are still trying to figure out who is going to captivate the marketplace like he did. I mean, he captivated your imagination on the possibilities of what you can, could do. I mean, for crying out loud, they called him Air Jordan. They thought <laughs> he was flying. So I, I just think it was it was great. It all came together for whatever reason at that time. But more importantly, I get, that's why I give him credit. He was aware of the moment. He, he got it. He didn't, yep. It didn't pass him by. He was caught in that moment right then and there. And uh, he capitalized on it. And you know, I, I just think that's what made him such a special player. He was, 
phenomenal on the court, but his off the court savvy as a businessman, bar none, the best in the business. Oh, what they did change, change, change the world in terms of marketing shoes and, and created, created a culture. Did you see the, um, the documentary that was done on the Jordan one, I, I still need to watch it. I haven't watched it. Yeah, yet. I saw a little bit. I, yeah, I saw a little bit. I heard, I heard it's good. I heard it's good. I need to watch it. I, I love yeah. the the original commercial where the narrator comes on and, you know, the NBA has banned Michael Jordan's shoes, but you can still, <laughs> buy, but you can still buy them. It's like the, the, the ultimate seed plant. Give us your money. Um Ooh. Uh, on the Jordan ones, and you and you mentioned before the show you were watching the uh, '85 All Star Game, which was one in Indy, and he of course you know wore those uh, black and red Jordans with the uh, he was wearing Jordan gear for part of it, but then the old school red scripted uh, Bulls jersey with the gold chain for his. Uh, first slam dunk championship, which is forever etched in my mind, uh, watching that as a kid. So um, we will see if, if Zion lives up to it both now between the lines, as we always talk about, and outside the lines with uh, uh, this brand Jordan deal. So Steve Kerr, a guy that uh, is never shy when it comes to issues in and out of basketball. And uh, I always commend him for that. I think he's a a tremendous voice and you obviously were a teammate of his and and you've known steve a, a long time um quote this week just going back to the lakers and ad said ad's four straight to the lakers bad for the league um what did you think of the quote and was the was it more of the move being bad or how it was done being bad Well, yeah, I, I saw the quote, and look, I, I, I have the utmost respect for Steve, and I, and I get it, right? We're taking his one quote without listening to the entire conversation. Very true. Okay, so I, I want to put it in its proper context. But in saying what I do know about it, here, here, is, the, here is the thing that I've come to understand as an ex-player, as a person who worked in the front office, and now as an agent, is that since the beginning of time, since 1946, players have wanted and will continue to want to get traded, okay? Now, the owners have the ability to trade you at any, at any given time, right? If something doesn't work, that's what the owners can say, oh, well, this doesn't work, and then we trade and we, we, we shuffle the deck. The players, you know, are held to a standard as if, well, if a player wants to get traded, then all of a sudden he's reneging on it. Okay, I, I don't want to go down that path. But here's the thing that's, that bothers me more than anything. For the first the suspense, time... The suspense builds. Yeah, the, the, for the first time, we're watching things that have happened behind the scenes play out in the public. That's the yes. only thing that bothers me now. Okay. This is not players wanting to be traded. Executives wanting to trade players is part of the deal. That's that's part of the business. How many times have we heard players and people say this is a business? It's nothing personal. It's a business. And we get that. Now we're watching what happens behind closed doors play out in the public now. And that, I think, is the problem. That's the problem now. You know, look, when I was a player, it's, yeah. and it's exactly what didn't happen with Kawhi it's, Leonard, which I love. Yeah. And I'll get yeah. to that in a minute. So, I mean, when I was a player, there, there were stops where I wanted to be traded. There were stops, I'm sure, where they wanted to trade me. So this is nothing new. OK, this is, you know, whether it was a, a, a player like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar who wanted to get traded or. You know, at one point, Kobe Bryant wanted to get traded. At one point, you know, I, I remember Scottie Pippen said he wanted to be traded. This is nothing yep. new. What's new is now we're watching it play itself out in the public for all of us to see and hear. And now we call it sources say. So mm -hmm. if, if we want to talk about anything is of what this is going to do to our game, because now it's playing out in front of our fans and the people 
who support the game. So I think what we're saying is the following. If we continue to do this, are we creating value for ourselves? Because the fact remains is that the players and the owners have to figure out a happy medium to continue to grow the po- grow this pie because of the popularity of the game. This is a global game. More okay, popular is- than more popular uh, than it's ever been. Okay. Here we are late in July still talking about the NBA. And the reason we're talking about the NBA is because of the popularity of the game. Now, are we going to how are we going to continue to grow this if we're continuously showing our you know things we can't agree upon and putting out there for all to see. Now, that's the only concern that I have is that, you know what? I don't have a problem with a player wanting to be traded. That, I, I don't have a problem with that. Just like I don't have a problem when an executive calls me and says, you know what? We don't think this is going to be a good fit and we think we're going to look to move the player. That is not going to change, Eric. That's the reality of the situation. What I do, What I do have a problem is when... I all of a sudden pick up uh, or, or start reading on the internet or, or do something, and all of a sudden sources say such and such player is going to be traded. Now, how did that get out? If if you and I are the only people dis- discussing this, if we didn't say anything, and you're saying you didn't say, well, who said it? So this is the issue now that this is playing out for, for all the public to see, and I think. That is a problem that we, and I say we, the adults in this business, the executives, the league, the league, you know, the people, the the agents, the players, the owners have to say, you know what, is that it? Is that in our best interest? Because if we continue to do this, we have the potential to possibly devalue what we've all created here. What Great we've point. all created. What we've all, that is my. So what Steve said, I heard it, but that's not the, the that's not the issue. The issue is these players and these owners have created something, and how are we going to figure this out so that we can continue to grow this? Because now we have a global game, a global game, and we all, myself, you, the players, we're all the beneficiaries of the popularity of this game because of one thing television and the media okay and we have to protect that if we're going to continue to move this thing forward my thought is there needs to be just like there was you know the the code back in the day there needs to be a code here where all right you know you're going to have this push pull in the leverage battle between players and teams and owners and value of guys and you know, I want to get moved and all right, how, how do we get enough value back? Like they, they need to work together instead of having this stuff air out in public. And as you say, devalue what has been built up so beautifully. One more item for today. I'd be foolish if I didn't skip it. A lot out there about Kawhi Leonard's decision. What went into it, how close he was to either going back to Toronto or becoming a Laker. And then Magic Johnson gets inserted into the conversation about his meetings, what he talked about publicly, all this stuff out there about Magic. Can you help me and the audience figure out, okay, what's true here and what's not, and how much of an effect did Magic Johnson have, for better or for worse, on where Kawhi Leonard ended up? Well, again, you know, this is just another layer of what we were discussing about how things are playing out in the public. Yep. You know, the, the, the one thing about the NBA I find very interesting is, you know, when I played the game as a kid, when I was 20 years old, I remember having this vivid conversation is I was walking out of the Philadelphia spectrum one night after a game. And I was walking out with Dr. J and I was, I can't, I was beside myself. This was like the doctor. Okay. I, I'm walking out of the game, Eric. Julius, the doctor, er, 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 
And I was beside myself. Like I was beside myself. Like, God, this is the doctor. I wish I had a, a camera back then. I wanted to like show like my, 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 my dad and the way my grandfather talked about Dr. J. And I remember watching him and this was the doctor. And I walked out and this sums up my entire NBA experience. This one evening, walk out, we play. This kid comes up to, and asks me for my autograph. And I was so embarrassed because I was like, this is the doctor. And then this kid said, at, looked at Dr. J right in his eye and go, do you play? <laughs> you shared this with me once. That's amazing. This sums up my entire NBA experience, you know? And Dr. J looked at me with class. He looked me right in my eye. He said, one day that's going to happen to you. That's the NBA. Okay. So tie this back, tie this back to Magic and Kawhi. Magic Johnson performed in this league at the highest level. Magic Johnson, at one point, we sought out the we sought out the elders to help us make decisions in the game. At one point. Yep. Dr. J, I, when I had things, there was nothing for me to go ask Dr. J or someone older, Moses Malone and those players who were before me to seek out information on what I was about to go through. Why would I suddenly now think that Dr. Uh, that Magic Johnson has something that he wouldn't give in the best interest of Kawhi Leonard? Because not many not many players have achieved in their career what Kawhi Leonard has achieved. So my, my, my point being is I don't the disconnect that we are having with our players and being able to expose them to 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 players in the past to me is a huge issue. Because clearly now, Eric, if I look at this game right now, if I look at this game, look around our league right now, these players and this generation is speaking and they're speaking loudly. They're speaking right now. And what Megaphone. they are saying, and what they're saying is we don't trust what's going on in these organizations so much so that they would rather speak to each other before speaking to the executives and people who are running these teams about their future. But they'll speak to each other. And we, we, you know, the, 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 the elders of the league, right? The executives and all of the people in the best interest of the league, we, we're having a very difficult time of communicating with this generation. That's a fact. That's a fact. No, these I mean, that's, players, a, that's, a, that's a breakdown right there. I mean, these players always now, keep it real. That's a breakdown. These players now are communicating with each other. And the owners and the GMs and all of the people, they don't know what they're going to do. And they're in their building every single day. So, Eric, this is an issue that, in my opinion, we must figure out. We got to communicate. We don't have to agree with what they're saying, but we sure. As you got to you got to communicate. So what's, what's communicate? What's the bridge to get you there? Well, and well, I can't well, help I can't help but to think about what happened with Kyrie Irving yeah. in Boston and people saying, "Oh, he knew in December he was leaving. Oh, he knew oh, in no. March he was leaving." Like, well, well, what's the bridge? What's the bridge? How the, do you get the, the, the the bridge is the bridge is the following. You have to have someone there that these kids feel comfortable communicating with. Now, I don't know what that is. You know, I'm 50. I'll, I'll be 52 this year. You're I'm a, you're a young out. 52. Yeah, I'm not hanging out with these players. I'm not hanging at the club. I'm not going. I I, I, I get where I'm at in this in this you, game. You retired. You retired from the club. Okay, hey, I re, I retired from all of that. <laughs> but what I do know, because I have an 18 year old kid, is that it doesn't matter. He talks to me or his mother or his sister. He as long as we can find out what's going on, then we can be there to help him or her or help a person at that age. So again, we are missing the ability to communicate with this generation. 
because they're not talking to us. We don't know why they're doing what they're doing. Think of this, Eric. These young men are turning down hundreds of millions of dollars. Supermax. They're turning it down. Eric, they're turning down hundreds of millions of dollars. That Oscar Robertson and all of these players before us who worked so hard to have the ability to become a free agent. And today's youth are turning it down. So what is that saying about us? And we don't even know why. So I think this free agency is a moment of truth for all of us to say, okay, what's really going on here? Because we don't know what's going on. We don't know why Kawhi did what he did. We don't know why Paul George wanted to be moved or Anthony Davis or think about it, Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook and all of these players. We don't know. We're sitting here guessing, but we don't know. And that to me is the sad part of this is that because I have kids and I just want my kids to talk to me. And all of these young men have responsibilities and things in their life as people first. Okay. I, I get it. They're superstar players, but they're people. But why are they doing what they're doing? And why aren't they talking to us as the adults? Why aren't they talking to us? Why aren't they like sharing? Okay. Well, how did you make this decision? Like, or what goes about making this? We have no idea. None. And that to me is the saddest part of the story is because these are, this is our league. This is one family. Yes, we all compete in all these things, but in the end, we have to protect ourselves and our youth. And I love these kids because I love the game. I love the game. And any kid, I don't care if I represent them or not. I just want to see all these kids win. But why aren't they talking to us? That to me, Eric, is the, the, the saddest part of this story is that we don't know why they, why they're doing what they're doing, but they're doing it. I'm so glad I included this in our script for today's show, because this is going to be an ongoing conversation for us as we lead into the night 20 season. Great job today, my friend for Bruce Bernstein, Mike Lieber, Ben Wolfen, and the entire pure hoops media team. Hope you enjoyed the show today. Don't forget to check out our other Weekly pods, the Mike Wise Show dropping on Mondays, Catch and Shoot on Wednesdays, Bucket Sports and Blocks on Thursdays, and of course, the P-Roops Podcast with BJ Armstrong and myself each and every Friday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care. The Pure Hoops Podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.